Hello, everybody, and welcome to the world's favorite youth baseball podcast, Clearing the Bases, featuring Coach Jimmy Filangieri. I'm David Friedman. I want to thank you for coming along with this ride with us. How are we doing today, Coach? Doing good, Dave. The winter is starting to wind down. College baseball starting up. This is what we've been waiting for since the, you know, the end of last season. Yeah, it's been a weird thing up here in the Northeast where it was uh, 60 degrees on Wednesday when uh, I was at our unofficial workout. And then uh, Friday when I was driving home from work, I was dodging ice balls coming down. <laughs> so looks like the, the groundhog may not have been wrong this year. And uh, we're going to get hit with a couple of weeks of, of not not too conducive weather, but it'll be and it's right around the corner. Well, look, I mean, I'll take the cold weather now. I'm good with that. Just as long as once we get into the middle of March that it starts getting a little bit warmer, I don't want to go through what we went through last year. Yeah, last year was was crazy. When we had we had our scrimmage was basically the last day before the season started, and we were out there with freaking mittens on and uh, <laughs> you know uh, winter coats. So yeah, hopefully we don't uh, hopefully we don't get a repeat of that. That was not. Not fun wearing tights underneath my uh, my coach's pants and stuff. That was uh, I, I did not enjoy that very much. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, we all know. I've said it a million times. I am the worst cold weather person in the world. Yeah, and I'm betting every year it doesn't get better. No, it doesn't. And what is that? Is that another one of those old jokes? <laughs> hey, I feel that that's not an old. Jimmy joke. That's just a we're old. We're, we're not getting any younger joke. That's all. The truth. The truth definitely hurts there. But, um, so we had uh, you had the opportunity today, unusual for us, because I am actually going to be playing again this year. I joined the over forty five league, and uh, I had, you had the opportunity to come and witness me and my team with a little batting practice there. Any thoughts you want to share? Well, I mean, I, I really have to say that understanding the fact that you probably haven't swung a bat in a very long time, we'll just say that. 20, 22 years. 22 <laughs> years. Okay, so there. 22 years you haven't swung a bat. It wasn't as bad as I expected. Let's put it that way. Okay. That is that is a mild compliment there. <laughs> a few little tweaks here and there, but yeah. nothing nothing crazy. Yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate it. And it's funny because multiple a couple things that you talked to me about, I could feel it. You know, I know I'm not I'm not getting my hands through uh, you know, finishing strong with the, with that I can tell. I feel like I'm jamming myself on every pitch. A couple of the other things in terms of my foot, feet work and where my hands are starting, I no idea. Yeah. No idea. And it just emphasizes to me two things. One, how much easier it is to tell other people what to do <laughs> than it is to recognize in yourself. But more importantly is how important our role is in developing these players as a coach because if – because a kid – is going to be worse than me in terms, you know, when, when I'm up there, you told me like something with how my feet were in position correctly. And I had no idea, absolutely no idea. And I could have taken a thousand more swings and I wouldn't have known that. Uh, so that's where we have to make sure that we're on point at all times, breaking bad habits early on in the process, reinforcing the good stuff and just staying on top of our, of our players to make sure that they're getting 
we're getting the best out of them by giving giving them the best of us. Exactly. And the other thing, too, that we kind of take for granted that you work with players and you try to correct flaws and we give them drills to do and stuff like that. So now you're going to find out how how difficult that actually is to make those adjustments and, you know, make those corrections rather and just clean things up. Oh, yeah. And it's another thing that we talk about, too, where when not so much for like the school ball, but more of the travel ball or certainly the, the little league age players where they're only doing it. We only have them for the, the one hour and a half, two hours a week. And it's the same situation I'm in. Obviously, I have a full time job. I coach a, a high school team. I don't have a lot of luxury time to spend on myself and doing those corrections. So I'm going to have to force myself to, because it's all about the repetition. And if I just show up again next Sunday, chances are I'm not going to be a hell of a lot different. Or if I am any different, there's a potential it's going to be worse because I'm going to be overthinking everything. Right. Right. And you know, so it's, it's actually a, a good thing, right? Because now you're going to see it from the other side. And I think that something like that is actually a great thing because you're going to actually have a better understanding of what those kids are going through when we're trying to help them. Yeah. Yeah. And expecting, expecting those immediate returns because I told the kid to do this (laughs) and he's not doing that four seconds later. Uh, Yeah. So maybe, maybe build in a little, little tolerance, a little patience, um, that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely good to, to get it from the other side like that. Absolutely. So we'll have to, I'll have to get you in the cage next week, maybe, and see, uh, we'll turn the tables on you there. Oh, I'm not foolish enough to get in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right. So let's talk a little bit now as we're getting in towards the end of February here, beginning of March, as this show is going to be released, we are going to be right in the heat of preseason practices and tryouts. And one thing I want to say, you know, my, my team, we've had some informal get togethers. We're not practicing. We're just, we're doing some, some winter workout type stuff. And one thing that I am you're going to hear me talk. You hear me talk about it all the time, but now it's it's now that I'm getting smacked in the face with it every week. Uh, it, it's going to be even more and more prevalent is effort and attitude, man. Uh, my head was ready to explode the other night as I'm watching these kids just walk across the field. And you know, we're, we're doing these workouts on uh, on a football field. So we're, we're good and spread out watching these kids just just walk from one station to another and doesn't matter what they're doing and just and, and I just I, I'm looking I'm going so listen without harping on it please just to the people that are listening to us to all of our millions and millions of fans out there please please take this to heart every time you're with your team whether it's an informal workout or it's a mental preparation session in a classroom setting or it's on the actual field and you're doing actual baseball activities i don't care how old the player is please understand every time we're together is an opportunity it's an opportunity for you to to just show up and it's an opportunity for you to show out and show the coaches what you're made out of and what we can expect from you as we go along. I'm a big believer in we play the way we practice. 
And we're going to practice during the season the same way we practice in the off season, which means if you're going to not practice hard, then all I can think is you're not going to practice hard once the season starts. If you're going to be dogging it, as we used to say, if you're going to be moping around from once once one uh, station to the other, not jogging, you don't need to do a full on sprint. We're not expecting that, but move, have some movement to you, have some. Convince me that you want to be there. Right. You know, I don't know. That might be the best way to sum it up because we see it. Yes. That's all we're doing. That's all we're doing at this point. You know, we're not doing a lot of instructing at this level that we're at. But even if we're down in with the, you know, seven-year-olds and nine-year-olds and 12-year-olds, and you know, where we're doing more instructing. But most of the time that we're spending is observing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You talk about that all the time. Yeah. The, the one of the things that takes zero athletic ability is hustle, period, the end. And boy, oh boy, does that send a, a loud message to the coach if you're not hustling. And, you know, look, look, we've, we've talked about it before. We, I've had instances in tryouts where I actually had to stop the tryout and take the boys on the side and, and remind them that this is a tryout. <laughs> you're not impressing me, <laughs> okay? <laughs> when you're walking from station to station, as you described, you know, and, and again, David, it, to your point, at the younger levels, boy, this stuff should be drilled into these kids from when they're very, very young so that now it's second nature and nobody even thinks about it. But, yeah, it's it's a big factor. It's a huge factor. Yeah, and it's not even if it's – I mean, listen, if it's one of your better players, there's – Unless his attitude goes so south that it becomes a distraction and and arguing and things like that, he's still going to make the team, yes, because you have to, you know, you're going to take your better players. It doesn't guarantee anybody a starting spot day one or day 30 or whatever. And again, if if you're not willing to work in practice, again, cue cue your Allen Iverson drops here. If you're not, you know, we are talking about practice. And if you're not willing to put the work into practice, why would I think you're going to work harder in the game? A and B, how are you going to get better? Right. Okay. If you're already an A plus, you're the best player on the team. I still want you to get better during the season. You still want to get better during the season. This isn't, unless this is it. This is the last level that you're ever planning on picking up a baseball glove again in your life is JV baseball. Okay. Then, then I guess that's, that's what you got. Right. But if you want to play varsity and you want a chance of playing in college and and as in a, as an adult, whatever, you got to you got you got to make it abundantly clear that you want to be there and you're going to give it your all. Exactly. Now you just touched on something about saying that if if you don't perform well in, in practice, that all of a sudden you're going to perform well in a game. Well, I live by this, and I heard this many many years ago, and nothing is truer than this and it's a it's a it's a quote from a navy seal that said during times of pressure we do not rise to the occasion we sink to the level of our training and i live by that yeah that's that sums it up perfectly i mean uh, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to hammer this point down. Obviously, for the next couple months, we're going to be. We're, I'm sure this is going to come up, unfortunately, as a recurring topic. But yeah, I mean that's that's what it's all about. How how do I have any trust that all of a sudden in a live pressure situation, 
you're going to handle it well. If you're not handling it, you're not handling it well when you think there is no pressure on you. Um, And I'm saying it that way because there is. Whether you think there's pressure on you or not at that point, there absolutely is. And you don't think you don't think we remember as coaches. You don't think we remember that stuff, you know, especially school ball, you know, travel ball. Some coaches might be afraid that the kid might pack up and leave if they're too tough on them or whatever. High school ball, we got you. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good point. No. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're there, and believe me, during the tryouts, it's, it goes in my notes. So-and-so didn't hustle, da-da-da-da-da. It goes in my notes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll still evaluate him on his talent. You know, he hit well, he fielded well, he threw well. And there'll be a big asterisk if he didn't hustle. Because I know that that's something that I'm going to zero in on immediately. Right. And that's the no-brainer stuff. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be a qualified coach. You could be horrible as a coach, if you, but you can see that. Sure. You may not know anything about baseball, but I, I see when I'm making it to – I'm making it out to the position on the field quicker than half the players, and nothing in their head is triggering. That's probably bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, we've we've definitely lost something. So, yep. all right, enough of enough of grumpy old men <laughs> version of uh, of clearing the bases. Let's yeah, talk but, about. Uh, yeah, but the, the whole idea is, yeah, you, you know, and I I think we handled it well because it's something that needs to be hammered home. Okay, uh, we you and I both know that we're seeing that type of effort and attitude more and more frequently than we used to see it. So I think we did a good job because we were stern about it and we both seemed very passionate about it. This is a very, very important part of making any team. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. If you think Jimmy and I are on an island with this kind of thought process, you're out of your mind because everybody we speak to, whether it's on the show or in our personal life, feels the same way. Everybody. Absolutely. 100%. So, so speaking of 100%, let's talk about a guy who gives his 100% with everything he does. He's accomplished an awful lot for, uh, to you and me, what we would call a a very young guy. Uh, As a coach, our guest this week is Coach Taylor Valentine. He is at Center College, which is out in beautiful Kentucky, and uh, he's a guy that um, you know, I'm very excited to speak to and, and hear some of the things that he has to say and how he runs his team. Yeah, I love talking to these young guys, you know, to, to, to see what makes them tick and how they, you know, how they land in the positions that they land in. And Taylor is one of those guys that it's, it's amazing to me at such a young age to have so much baseball knowledge, so much coaching knowledge and understand what we're trying to do. And it, it's great. And I got I to tell you that he, he had originally reached out to me. We were supposed to do this episode while I was at the convention. And for one reason or another, uh, Taylor wasn't able to get there. So, you know, we rescheduled it. And boy, am I glad that we did. Yeah, yeah, he's got another, you know, it's another perspective. This is where the, the, he's, he's a younger, again, younger coach at, a, at the college level. And let's see what he has to say about what he's looking for in his players as he's picking his players. And let's see, you know, how did he get into the position that he's at for, again, the people where we know that your chances of moving ahead in 
playing ball certainly drop down as you get older because there's just fewer and fewer spots. But your position in baseball may not be as a player, but it could be certainly could be as a coach. And the journey that these guys take to get to their position, it's important to hear about that too and how to prepare yourself for that. I absolutely agree. So without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce Taylor Valentine. So Taylor, welcome to Clearing the Bases. Thanks for coming out with us tonight. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Taylor. I'm really glad that you reached out to me. I think that we'll get into a good show here and looking forward to it. Awesome. Can't wait. So give us a little bit about your situation right now. I know that you coached at Asbury University to start. Is that Was that your first college coaching job? Yes. Yeah. So I graduated there and then I turned around and got right into coaching there. I was there for three years. Um, the first year that I was there, they kind of tied two titles together. So I did a little sports information and uh, I was also part of the baseball staff there. Nice. So... And then right from there, you went straight to, to Center College? No, so I actually went to the University of Illinois at Chicago. Division One was the Horizon League. They just changed the Missouri Valley Conference. I was the volunteer assistant there in 2019 for one season. Okay. So did you go directly from your playing days right into coaching? I did, yes. So I, I, I didn't know if I really wanted to get into coaching. I got a major in broadcast communications and I got a minor in coaching. So I kind of always had a funny joke with my parents. Like, hey, listen, if I don't make it big on the field, I'll make it big in the box. And you can listen to me talk about sports all the time. And then I just had a hard to hard conversation with my professor. And he's like, hey, listen, I think you need to change your major and look into going something else. So we had a family friend that was coaching at Indiana University. And I went up and I ran a camp for him. He's like, hey, listen, you need to get in coaching. This is your calling. This is what you need to go do. So then I'm still at it today because <laughs> that was one of the questions i was going to ask and you kind of answered it a little bit what made you get involved in coaching after your playing day so it kind of seems like you didn't necessarily have a plan to do it you kind of fell into it yeah i kind of fell into it you know in in that first year i'll be honest like it was really really tough just because like i literally just got done playing with those guys and now i've turned around and i had to find that fine line of what line can they cross with me and what line they can't. And I I will say like that first bus trip sitting in that second row, knowing that, you know, my best friends were sitting right behind me. That was a really challenging first year for me. Yeah. It it, it is a tough thing, especially for the younger coaches because they're not your friends. (laughs) You're their coach. You know, it's hard because younger guys can relate to younger guys. So I I understand that position. It's, it, it could be difficult. Yeah, it was challenging. And then that second year, I think those guys kind of knew, like, he's more of our coach. He's not so much of our friend anymore. And then after that second year, it kind of that's when it really kind of kick-started my career to this is something that I want to continue to do for a long time. So at Center College, you're the hitting and field and recruiting guy, right? Yeah, I do a little, little bit of everything except no pitching. <laughs> well, what positions did you play when you were a player? I was a middle infielder. Okay. All right, good. So the recruiting scene nowadays, what's that look like? Uh, it's challenging. You know, just with center being a high institution, you know, the cost of the school with us being in central Kentucky, 
You know, there's a lot of people say that we're the Harvard and Yale of the Midwest. But, you know, when, when, we, when we talk to recruits, it's like, man, listen, if you show up, you go to class, you do what you're supposed to do, you're just going to be fine academically. And then you guys, the transfer portal, which is completely throwing a wrench into college baseball. So we do look at that from our level at the NCAA Division Three level because we can probably get some guys out of there. But also you got guys that are leaving Division Two and Division Three schools that have to go into that portal as well. So we got a guy from the College of Worcester. He's a part of our team right now that was in that portal. And so far, it, it's worked out for us. I, I wouldn't say we live and die by it. We like that true-blooded high school kid that we can have for four years. But as I continue to see the success with our team, plus the facility upgrades that we just got, we're going to dive deep into that this upcoming summer. Now, for a player, that transfer portal that could be like a double-edged sword. It could be a good thing for a player, and it could be a bad thing for a player. Am I wrong? Yeah, it could be It could be good and bad. I mean, it, it, especially knowing that a lot of these guys have been a grad year, and they can play at a four-year university, then they can go into the portal and go play somewhere else. And we had a guy that did that this past season. He played four years for us here at center, went into the portal, and now he's going to play a grad year in Northern Kentucky. So... It is good. It is bad because sometimes guys get in that portal because they're not playing at the school that they're currently at. So they're in there for a reason. Um, you know, the main question is, is do you want to take a chance on a guy that's been sitting there for two years that's in the portal now? Or would you rather go get a high school kid that has been playing and he's going to hopefully come play for you right away? Yeah, and, and that was the reason why I brought that up because I, I've heard stories that guys will enter that portal and nobody picks them up, and now what? Yeah, it's crazy. I think I checked yesterday, and there was pretty close, like 2,000-something student-athletes for uh, college baseball that are still on that list right now. Wow. What, for your, your team's makeup, you're primarily scholarship players, or how, how does that break down? So a lot of things, so no athletic scholarship money at all at the, at the Division three level. Okay. So we're, fina- we're financial aid, FAFSA, so we are kind of looking for that brainiac student, but but I mean they don't have to max out to what our high ACT or high SAT or what our top GPA is. I mean, and there's we got guys that fall under that radar, and we got guys that surpass that radar. Mm-hmm. And how many how many guys do you carry on a roster? So we have 42 players on our roster, and out of the past three years that I've been here, this is our largest roster with 15 freshmen this year with one transfer. It's one of the biggest recruiting classes that we've had here since I think since 2015. And the main reason for that was to bring in depth and create a competitive environment at practice where last year we got, you know, down the road to conference tournament and we got guys that are hurt and guys that are kind of falling off the wagon and, the main reason for this year was to bring in depth and compete, and let's see who wants to win a starting job. Isn't it? Isn't it a little difficult though pulling in, like you said, players for depth? Where let's go back to like what we were saying before about the transfer portal. So if you're bringing a guy and he's your backup second baseman, he's not getting a lot of playing time. Doesn't that make it harder for you to bring a guy in under those conditions? I don't think so. You know. You know, one of the main reasons why I took this job here at center, you know, is because our head coach and we basically reset everything at the end of the year. It don't matter if you're a three-year conference guy, All-American, 
or if you've been starting center field since your freshman year. So we reset everything. So guys got to earn it in the fall and they got to find a way to keep it in the spring. So he always says, Hey man, there's an eraser on the end of this pencil and we can erase you out and we can write somebody in new just like that the next day. So I guess that's how you keep them motivated. I mean, that's a, that's a great thing. Yeah, we do. And I mean, we're and we're two weeks out from opening day. And I mean, we have a sort of an idea of what our lineup's going to be like, but we're, I mean, our guys are still competing day in and day out because we do still have some question marks at a couple jobs that are open right now in the field. Now you open in two weeks and I'm assuming that's not in Kentucky. It's, it's on the road, correct? It is going to be in Kentucky. So we open up February 18th. It gets Baldwin Wallace. They're going to come down from Ohio. Knock on wood right now. When I looked at AccuWeather uh, this afternoon, it's supposed to be 55 degrees. So let's hope that it stays that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah that could be brutal uh, <laughs> around that time of year. That that seems crazy to me. What uh, what type of with your the type of school that you're in, Division Three, geographically, what type of area do you guys compete against? So for us, we if you take Kentucky and the SEC. That's kind of what our conference looks like. So we're the farthest north team in the conference. The only state that we don't go down to is Florida in our conference play. Now, we will go down there for spring break, but we'll travel to Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, um, South Carolina. So that's kind of our all the way out to Arkansas. So, yeah, we got a pretty wide variety of conference. Yeah, that's a great experience for your kids to be traveling all over, seeing that many different types of programs and, uh, and areas of the country like that. Yeah, it's awesome, and sometimes our guys don't enjoy a nine and nine hour and nine and a half hour bus ride. But it's time you throw in a couple movies, and we're there. But the good thing for us is like when we open up conference play, it's south, and it, it's typically ten degrees, fifteen degrees warmer down there. And teams don't enjoy coming up to play us early in the year because it's cold and it's in our backyard. And but our guys enjoy going south and playing down there. And a lot of our guys are from that southern region too, so it's good for them to see family as well when we travel down there to play yeah you don't you don't want to play uh, baseball up here in new york because we start <laughs> <laughs> we start our games you know our non-league and our scrimmage games my team will start i believe we're like around the middle of march say like march 15th and our season opens up april 1st and when we get spr- springs like we did last year where I can tell you that it was the end of April and I was still freezing to death <laughs> out on the yep. field. Yep, wearing sweatpants underneath our uniform pants and, you know, like just thankful I wasn't on the field having to be in short short sleeves at that point, you know? <laughs> and then, the, then the, 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 the bigger problem is the knucklehead kids that we coach, you, you know, it's 35, 40 degrees out, and your pitcher is in the dugout in a short sleeve shirt, sure. n- nothing underneath, nothing to wear, you know, while he's, while he's not on the mound. All right. <laughs> what were you thinking? So you, you were talking about, we were talking about the, the, the portal and the effect that that has had. Now, I know for your playing career, you did play at two different schools as well. You want to talk a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah, so I, I started my career at Milligan College, which is an NAI school in Johnson City, Tennessee. You know, I was coming out of high school, I was 5'8", 140 pounds, 140 pounds, so I knew that I wasn't going to be a mid-major Division One or a Power Five guy at the Division One level. So a lot of my options were Division Two, II, Division Three, NAI, 
And I was actually on my way down to Tusculum there, which is a division two school there in Tennessee. That's where I wanted to go. And my mom's like, Hey, listen, let's go check out this school called Milligan college. It's going to be on our way to Tusculum. So we stopped by, you know, I just walked out to the field and introduced myself to the coaches and the pitching coaches like, Hey, listen, do you want to, you want to work out for us? I was like, yeah, sure. I didn't really have a good showing but Milligan was still really interested. And then that's where I decided to go to school. So I got my feet wet there on campus. I ended up having Tommy John surgery my freshman year. Um, so I took I took a medical red shirt, and then I came back. And that year was tough because they really recruited two shortstops, two high school shortstops. And uh, so basically the other guy won the job. I was sidelined, and I didn't really know what to expect so I traveled to every game. I got the experience of what college baseball was like. Open up against the number eight team in the country. I'm like, holy smokes, okay, we got 90, 90, 90. I'm like, wow, all right, welcome. Um, <laughs> you know, and then I helped keep, keep some charts in the dugout because I wanted to stay active. And then coming back, you know, it took me some time to get in the lineup. So I was a pinch runner at first. And then I got some pinch head at bats. And then I finally stuck in the lineup a little bit. Spring semester, my sophomore year, I had a meeting with my baseball coach. We were bringing in a transfer at the time. And he's like, listen, man, he's like, I don't know how much playing time you're going to get here. He's like, I know you're really serious about your major. He's like, if you want to look to go somewhere else, you're not going to hurt my feelings. So I ended up transferring out. Um, and then I ended up at Asbury University. And and I enjoyed my time there. And that's where I met my beautiful wife. And uh, then I stayed there to turn around and coach, which was awesome. That's I mean, that's fantastic because you, you kind of fell into the first school and then the second school was more of, you know, did your research and, and found a place. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you had Tommy John surgery, which could be completely life changing as a, as a player now. But you weren't a pitcher before then. Yeah, so I was a I was a two way guy in high school. I pitched and played shortstop. I came into Milligan as a two way guy, but I primarily played shortstop in the fall. I uh, didn't get to pitch very much there. Okay. And then how long was your recovery period from that? Pretty close to a full year. Right. So luckily, you know, I was, you know, being there in Johnson City, Tennessee, the Elizabethan Twins uh, rookie ball team was, was five minutes down the road. And there was actually a guy that was in their organization that ended up having the same surgery that I had. So I did all my rehab over there with their athletic trainer, their people. So, I mean, I luckily got i lucked out and was around some awesome people that could take care of me from a professional standpoint that was able to get me back in a timely manner so let's jump into a little bit about your usa baseball background so first of all how, how did you get involved yeah so i still wanted that same question uh people <laughs> ask me all the time like hey how'd you get involved you know what was the process like so i ended up getting an email my second year at Asbury from Ann Clara Roberts, who's the director of baseball there. She handles a lot of the staffing. Said, hey, listen, we'd like for you to be a part of the task force for the 16U group. And I got the email and I replied back to her right away. I said, yes, I'm in. And then I didn't really hear anything for a while. And then I had, a, I guess it was an intern reached out and she's like, hey, listen, do these flights work for you? I'm like, perfect. And then got down there and the staff that I was with was so like, these guys were like veterans. Like they've been a part of this for five, 10 years and I'm the rookie coming in. 
I mean, we're sitting in a classroom with the head coach from Citadel. You got the guy from South Carolina. And you got some high school guys mixed in there as well. And then we were part of the task force for that 16 years. So we were scouting the NTIS, which is the National Tournament of Identification Series. And then kind of after that first day and sitting in on meetings, I didn't really say anything just because I had some bigger guys there from bigger schools that have been a part of this process. And I can remember this till today, like Ann Claire pulled me aside and like, hey, we brought you here for a reason. You need to speak, speak up because we're going to trust your evaluation on guys. We trust your value. We trust your input. And that's why you're here. So kind of after that talk to that she had with me, I was like, all right, well, I got the, my voice is going to be a value here. And then kind of after that, the rest has been history. And, I, and I've been with them for five years now. And it's been such an honor and a great experience with them. What I'm curious about is how did they, how did they find you? Yeah, I mean, I, I asked myself that question. I still haven't had the chance to ask her yet. But it, it's just, I, I guess I would say a little bit of a luck in the draw and maybe some past history and some bios that they read online maybe. Maybe that's how I landed it, but I still don't know to this day on how I got an email from that. That's funny because you would think that somebody would have said, hey, you want to talk to Taylor? You know, this guy's a good guy, da-da-da-da-da. Right, yeah, and, and I didn't know anybody that was a part of that USA organization, and I didn't know anybody that was ever part of the task force, didn't even know what the task force was. So, yeah, kind of knock on wood, kind of blessed, if you want to say that. But, yeah, it's been a good, it's been good so far. Did you run into Chaffin at all while you were there? I have, yes. Uh, so he was actually, he was a part of my task force the very first year that I was there. So yeah, I got to run into him and I actually got to ride in his vehicle. So we were on the same vehicle going back and forth from the hotel to the uh, facility. And man, that guy, he's got so many great stories. Um, <laughs> he's such an awesome guy. So so that, that that's the way you got there. And you were... At one point, you, I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were the Midwest Region 16U head coach. So what was involved yeah. with that? So the first year that I did it, you know, I had the opportunity, obviously the opportunity to connect with all the regions. And at the time, Tyler Wells was the assistant director for the Midwest. You know, we got to watch his team go through defensive evaluations. I mean, he said, hey, man, he's like, where are you from? I'm like, well, I'm originally from Cincinnati. Uh, but I coach at a school in Kentucky. And he's like, hey, would you have any interest in being part of our Midwest group? And I was like, sure. Just let me know what you guys need. And, you know, I guess they're they holding some, you know, tryouts regionally in the Midwest. He's like, hey, listen, is there a chance you could attend the Kentucky event and run it for us? And I said, sure. So, I mean, they sent me all the info on what I needed to do. Ran a great event there. guess he got some good feedback and called me. He's like, hey, listen, we're going to announce you as the 16U head coach for one of our Midwest teams. I was like, awesome. So, yeah, so I do a little bit of the task force during the summer, and then I also coach that 16U team for that NTIS tournament. That's fantastic. So with the task force, I'm, I want to get into a little bit about that to, to for you to explain to everybody how this process works because I know that we'll get our players locally – So while I'm out in my tournaments and this and that, I'm looking at players to try out for the local. Then they go to the regional where the Northeast NTIS team is picked, and then they go to carry. Now, when they go to carry, this is kind of like when you take over. Am I wrong? 
Yes, for the for the task force part of it, yes. So basically, USA Baseball puts together a like a scouting group together, and then our responsibility is to find the best twelve players that we're going to select from all these different regions. So it's people always hear about it, man. Like it, they have such a fun job, and it's so easy to do, and it's really not. Like we got to find the best twelve guys out of two hundred something players which can be challenging because you got at least six to eight guys that are sitting in a room and we're literally throwing names up on the wall, like money ball, like, Hey, who's going to play first and who's going to play second and who's going to pitch. Well, yeah, it's a really good experience. It makes our lives fun because we get to be in the, we get to walk down the dugout. We get to talk to these players and then we're selecting them to have an opportunity to be a part of the national team. So I haven't had the chance to be a part of the national team, but uh, our head coach here at center uh, was announced the 15U manager last year for USA Baseball. So I got to finally hear the story of like what it was like going overseas and you know hearing our national anthem played and just the great experience that he had with those guys over there. And obviously they got to bring home a gold medal, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I've heard some pretty high-level coaches, well-known coaches that have said that when they coached the national team, the day they put that uniform on, that it actually brought tears to their eyes. And I could imagine, only imagine what that feels like. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been with Coach Breezy for three years. And, you know, the social media team that USA has, they do a phenomenal job, these national teams. And I've heard our head coach here talk thousands of times to our team. But when they did the interview with him and him talking to those players, I mean, I could tell there's a different side of him that I hadn't had the chance to see. And, you know, I asked him, like, hey, what's that experience? Like, he's like, you will never know until you have the opportunity to do it. And then when you stand line to line with the team from another country and they got to listen to our national anthem play, it literally will raise the hair on your arms because of how exciting it is. I'm, I'm sure. The, the, the one thing that that amazes me is that I find that not as many people as I would think know about USA Baseball, nor do they know the process. Now, I'm talking about in the Northeast and actually in in the the tri-state area, the lower part of New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. I'm I'm shocked at how many people, because when I approach kids and say, listen, I'd like you to try out for the USA Baseball NTIS, both the, the, the player and the parent, more times than not, will not know anything about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I run into some of that stuff, too, with the Midwest. Parents are like, I have no idea about this. I'm like, how do you not know about the best amateur baseball across the country? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can kind of see it from their side, too, because of all the scam emails that people get all the time that can literally just take a logo, copy it, paste it in there, email at the very bottom and make it seem real. But when you see the official letterhead come across from USA baseball and you, and you talk to these parents, you talk to these players and you tell them about the process, it's a really neat experience. And, um, you know, this past year, our 16 year team, you know, I had some guys that were already committed, um, Indiana, Louisville, and they said it was one of the best, best baseball experiences that they've ever had. I'm like, you guys haven't seen anything yet till you get to college baseball and you get to see what that experience is like. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but being able to put the red, white, and blue on for that tournament is awesome. And they get to see 
a facility that nobody really knows about that's in this hidden gym in Cary, North Carolina, that's in the middle of two major universities, and it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I've been down there four times. I'll be going back for year five, and every time I walk underneath that archway, I mean, it's I still get goosebumps. I'm like, man, how, how lucky am I to be able to get to do this? Yeah, I, I think I had said to you when we were going back and forth with emails that the last, I think, two or three years, I was invited to go down to Cary to coach one of the teams, and I just haven't been able to make it because of work commitments or whatever. Something always seemed to come up, but I tell you, I'm dying to get there. <laughs> I mean, you will enjoy it so much. It's it, everybody thinks like I mean, obviously the regions are all split up, but it's truly like a brotherhood where like you guys got the guys from California that are connecting with the Midwest guys and you got the Southeast connecting, you know, and it's, it's a really, really neat experience. And I think some players realize it when they get there, like, Holy smokes, like I'm playing with the best of the best across the United States. And it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to put into words about how amazing it is just to be down there. Yeah. So, well, hopefully I can get there this August and hopefully you're there when I'm there and we can meet in person. (laughs) That'd be awesome. One thing I really wanted to ask you about being in the position that you're at, are you seeing anything more across the board that, how should I say this, in terms of skill sets? I know Jimmy and I are seeing things at our level, again, JV, high school level. Kids coming in to our programs that don't have some of the basic skill sets that I feel like my kids had eight, 10 years ago when they were going through high school, definitely had when we were, when I was playing type thing. So it seems like we're kind of getting a, a little worse on the, we're, we're playing, we're starting these players younger and younger. You know, you've got guys doing four-year-old T-ball and six-year-old travel teams, but it seems like some of the fundamentals aren't there. Are, are you seeing that at your level? And, and how are you dealing with that from a recruiting and, and putting your team together standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I, I do notice that throughout the summer. You know, our jobs are all about projectability. What, what's he going to look like in a year? What's he going to look like in three years? What's he going to look like by his senior year in college? What's he going to look like? And we miss on a lot of guys, and we get some guys like, man, he's just going to be an average player for us. And then he comes in, and he's like, holy smokes, he's going to be awesome for us. But I, I think with just this generation, it's it's so focused on gameplay, like games and games and games. And that's what it's like when they get to the summer. And I don't know a lot of summer teams at practice. I know a lot of summer teams that get together Thursday through Sunday and show up and go play a tournament. But I don't I don't know how much of the really the fundamentals are getting taught to these players. You know, and we do get a little bit of that transition to our side of things. And it makes me want to pull my hair out sometimes. But I also have to understand, like, maybe he wasn't getting the right coaching. And maybe, like, we got to take more of a baby step process than trying to project it out by taking a big leap. Like, man, why doesn't this guy know what he's doing? It's like, all right, well, let's take a back seat here and let's coach him and let's teach him on how to do things. I mean, we're doing rundowns today at practice, for instance, and we literally got to slow it down. Like, hey, we got to get to the right lane. We got to get the ball up. We got to call it. Like, and our guys think, like, man, this is so dumb. Like, why are we doing this? 
because it's going to happen in a game where a player crosses that line and the base runner turns around and runs right into you and, you're, and we're going to turn around and like, hey, listen, remember that rundown drill we did on February 2nd at 6 o'clock at night? Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 all evaluation. You know, we live and die by stopwatches and radar guns now. But there's sometimes where I just like to go to a game and just watch. And, I mean, I'll take my phone with me. I'll jot down some notes. But really, it's, yeah, I do think it that lack of experience on guys is starting to show more now than what it used to be in the past. Well, the, the, the piece of advice that I would give you is don't pull your hair out. Look what it did to me. <laughs> <laughs> because believe me, like Dave said, we, we, we deal with that all the time. So, Yeah, and like, you, you know, you brought up just the one example of, uh, of a rundown, and, and I definitely see that, but even, you know, basic base running stuff, the rundowns, and even just, you know, feel, fielding the ball and moving through your throw as, you know, say from third base or shortstop. And it just, it's, it's like, we get, you know, we get our kids when you're starting your season, we're just getting ready for, for tryouts and whatnot. So we, we have a very small window to practice with these kids and then we're playing our three or four games a week. And I mean, it's like, there's infinite things for us to try to teach at this level. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we do what we tell our guys all the time is practice days are the coaches' days. Those are our days. And then when we scrimmage on Saturday and Sundays, that that's their day. It's their day to take BP. It's their day to take IO. There's not much coaching going on. It's just, hey, man, we've done everything that we can through practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Now's your time to go sh- show out and perform for us, which sometimes they want to throw in hey, why can't we do this at practice today? Some other things, but we tell them, hey, man, practice days are our days, game days are your days. Yeah, and that's, that's the way it should be. And you had mentioned about summer ball saying that, you know, they, they play games, they don't practice much. And I feel that it's our job. And, you know, Dave and I both coach players from anywhere from, well, Dave, in your case, you get them sometimes as early as 13, right? Yeah, we, we had... Um, on our JV team, I, I'm in a pretty small school district. Our starting catcher, our starting catcher last year was a seventh grader who during the spring season was still playing 12, 12 U ball. He was on a small field and on our high school field at the, at the same time. Wow. Yeah. That was a little tough. <laughs> yeah. So we're getting them at, at young ages, typically in the 14 to 16 year old range. And, I'm running into a lot of what, you know, what you see. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we, we talk to coaches all the time, high school coaches, summer ball coaches, you know, sometimes it could be a teacher or somebody outside of baseball that doesn't really know this player. And the reason we do that is because we're trying to find more information about that player. Obviously, you know, the high school coach is the first stop because they're not getting paid X amount of dollars to do something like they're doing their job to hopefully win a state championship for the summer ball coach on the flip side is he's kind of collecting a check, you know, and they, he doesn't really care if he wins tournament after tournament after tournament. We see a mixed bag during the summer. It's like, all right, well, this guy is, he's bought in, he's going to develop these players and this is what he wants to do. 
And then there's some guys that just want to sit back and call pitch signs and walk out to the mound every now and then and come back and that's the end of the game. It's like no post-game talk or nothing. I'm like, man, like these guys need it so bad because when they get to the college level, it is that's what they're going to have to deal with. They're going to have to deal with sitting in the classroom and going over bunt coverages and first and third defense and offensive signs. And if we don't teach them now, then how are they ever going to learn it? And it's interesting because our guys struggle with that too at the college level sometimes. Yeah, yeah. because if, you know, my feeling, and I've been a, a very big advocate of this, is that what we need to do is to get involved with little leagues and, you know, even some travel organizations, not with the kids, with the coaches. We need to educate the coaches so that they can teach the kids. And it's a very, very difficult proposition because, you know, and, and we've talked about this before, the the coaches primarily are volunteers, and God bless them for volunteering, which is, you know, it's a great thing. And if you put that pressure on them that they have to do some type of training to do this, well, maybe they might not want to do it, and then you're going to be short coaches. Right. Yeah, it's it's tough. And, I mean, I did a year of summer baseball after my first year of coaching college baseball. You know, and I had a, you know, a, a no-name team that wasn't that didn't have a big name. Like, if you went to a tournament, you'd be like, who the heck are these guys? I've never heard of them before. And I literally practiced with those guys three times a week and then go played on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it was strictly like development, development, development. How can we get these guys to be prepared for what's going to happen on the weekend? And I would go through fun coverages and how to lead off from a base and proper way to field a ground ball, proper way for a catcher to communicate with a pitcher, all those sorts of things because at the end of the day, I want those guys to be able to communicate with each other. And I don't know how good of communicating that we're doing in today's world with what's going on now. Yeah. What what I'm seeing a lot is that coaches, and again, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm beating up on, on coaches, but what I see a lot is, and I, like, like you're saying, developing players. So let's say you're working with, with your outfielders on – the correct routes to take the balls, drop steps, you know, and all of this stuff. You're working with your outfielders, and you get into a game situation, and the outfielder reads the ball off the bat correctly and takes the right path to the ball, but the ball drops in, let's say, okay? So a lot of coaches look at it, oh, what is this kid doing? Why didn't he make that catch? Well, wait a minute. He did this right. He did that right. He did this right. He did everything right. I don't give a crap whether he caught the ball because that'll eventually come just as long as he keeps doing what he's doing. Right. You know? Yeah, and and we got stuff like that, too. Like, I mean, I I work with our infielders here, and our infielders make a mistake, and the first thing they want to do is they want to look into the dugout like, is he going to be mad or is he not going to be mad? Like, there's no point in me getting mad. I'm not the one that made the mistake. Right? I'm going to be able to go home at night and lay my head down on my pillow like, okay, and I got to wake up the next day like, man, I got to pour something into this player here because he didn't have a very good game. Where they come in the dugout and they're like, are you upset? I'm like, yeah, I'm a little upset, but here's how we can fix it. You know, and that's the, after I kind of give them like, hey, here's how we can fix it, you can just see like the weight of the world is just like dropped off. Like, 
okay, he's not going to chew into me here. He's actually going to tell me like, hey, this happened. This was really good. This is where we failed. This is how we need to fix it. Right. Or the, or the question that I'll ask him is, did we learn something? Correct. Yes. Big time. Yeah. As coaches, we have to walk the fine line. doesn't matter what level that you're at of you have to put some pressure on the kids to perform, to make sure that they are like you talked about earlier, you know, my pencil has an eraser on it. I can change the lineup <laughs> at any time. Uh, I like to tell the kids, you know, they, they try out and they make the team. That's great. Guess what? The next day is another tryout because now it's a tryout right. for playing time. And then the next day it's a tryout to see if you're a starter. And then the next day it's a tryout to see if you're still a starter. So, you know, so we have to walk that line where there's got to be some pressure on them to perform without them being worried that one error and they're they're done and they're on the bench or, or whatever. So and I think establishing a level of trust with the players that that's not the case could probably go a long way for that. Yeah, I mean, the trust level is, at least at our level, you know, majority of the time, the the guys are going to come talk to myself or our other assistant coach just because we're going to have more of a, I'm not going to say like a real relationship because I still have a real relationship with the head coach. It's just going to be a little bit different where like, Mm -hmm. you know, their trust factor with us might be a little bit higher than it is with him. Well, Hey, coach, he gets, he knows that. He knows that our guys are going to come to his assistance before they go to him for a major problem. But it's also, too, on how the player comes across, too. And, you know, we tell our guys, like, hey, man, you got to act like a professional if you want to be a professional. Like, be act like that if that's what you want to do. And if it's in baseball, great. If it's being a doctor, great. If it's being a lawyer, great. Like, because once you leave college baseball and if you can act in a professional manner, then it's just going to translate over to what real life's going to look like. It's, it's, it's a yeah, we talk about it all the time where we're, we're not, we're not just, we're not training ball players. We're training people. Yeah. You know, we're, we're training we are. them to be good adults. We are 100%. Like we, we're training people to take care of the next generation. That's going to obviously surpass mine and surpass your guys, because I'm the generation right after you. And we want that next generation to be able to surpass my generation. You know, we're, we tell, I tell people all the time, like we're, we're training leaders to be expectational leaders. And we got to get them to communicate effectively. We got to get them to be okay with failure in there. And we got to reward them when they do good. Because if we're just going to keep beating a dead horse after failure, when they do something good, you know, we get, you got to find that happy medium. Always try to find more ways to encourage our guys more because they're going to play a little bit better. But if I got my foot, you know, up somebody's rear end because they're not playing really good. Well, that player is not going to trust me if I got to shift him to the right or shift him to the left on a defensive shift. Right. Yep. Right. So really what, what I wanted to get into a little bit with you was, you know, as coaches and, and Dave and I, we talk about it all the time that you need to have that growth mindset. You need to be a lifelong learner. So give us a little bit about how, you know, you keep, developing as a coach and how you get your players to also understand that this is what we need to do. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll start on our players first. Number one, they're student athletes. That student comes first. So, you know, we, we pour into them from the student side of it, like show up, go to class. You have to study if you want to do well. And then guess what? When you come to baseball, you still got to be the student. Like, you have to be able to be adaptable 
kind of like what you said, Jimmy, in that growth environment is, can I learn something? Can I learn how to fail? And can I learn how to make up for that failure? Which we do a little bit of a classroom setting with our guys, which is very unique. You know, I know Vanderbilt does this, but there are guys where they have a notebook and we kind of go over a classroom setting with some of our guys. And it could be a wide variety of topics. It could be how to be an effective leader. It could be, hey, if we deal with failure, here's what we could do. Something that we're big on right now is zoo versus jungle. So like a lot of times when you're in a, when an animal is in the zoo, it's getting catered, it's getting water, it's getting food, it's getting all these things that they can to survive. And then they finally get released in that jungle and guess what they got to do? They got to go figure it out. And that's kind of what we're telling our guys. Like, hey man, like this practice setting is going to be a zoo mentality. Like this is what we're going to do. We're going to nature you. We're going to take care of you. When you get into this game on Saturday, Sunday, welcome to the jungle. Because guess what? You got a different team that's on the other side and we got to figure out how to do it. So yeah, I mean, we, we tell our guys all the time, take notes, like learn something, go watch video of your swing or go watch the infield stuff, go watch pitching videos or catching stuff because that's the only way that at the end of the day, they're their best coach. We can pour into them. We can tell them, hey man, you got to put your hands down or hey, listen, you got to get your hands out front on a ground ball. But at the end of the day, they're going to look at a video different than what I'm going to look at a video. So yeah, they're student athletes first. For my side of it, you know, only coaching college baseball for five years now, you know, I've learned a lot about myself. Number one is my first year. I was so worried about myself. Like, man, how good can I be? How good can I bring in? How many recruits can I bring in to make myself look good? And at the end of the day, it's not about me. Uh, I tell people all the time, the reason I am still involved in this profession is because when we get that wedding invite or we get, Hey, coach i played for you six years ago and we're having our first kid like that stuff to me is so awesome like it's that's why i do what i do every day but also too like abca watching those videos learning from guys high school guys college guys pro guys like there's so many great things out there and resources to be able to learn from things you know i got to got buddies in the pro scouting world. So I'm picking their brain like, Hey, what are you guys looking for from the college aspect of guys that you want to take at the next level? You know, reaching out to high, talking to high school coaches all the time. Like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, let's, I want to find out what they're doing. It's not really, I tell people to this, it's not really people stealing other people's information. It's really people helping people. Because at the end of the day, we are all in this together. High school, summer ball, college ball, pro ball. We're all doing the same thing. We just might be at a different level than some other people. But at the end of the day, like I'm not going to treat anybody different just because they're not a college coach. Because at the end of the day, like I need the high school coach as much as he needs me. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, the, and, the pro, and the and the pro ball guy needs the college guy as much as we need them. Or the, or the pro ball guy needs the high school guy as much as the high school guy needs the pro ball guy. And at the end of the day, it's how many connections can you make? I mean, obviously, you guys might be able to tell from talking here, like I'm, I'm not scared to step up and say something. I'm not scared to introduce myself to people because I think the more people that you, you're connected with, you're going to be able to learn more. And at the end of the day, like, I, I still learn at 31 years old something new every day, either if it's from our player, if it's from a, going to lunch with the softball coach or soccer coach or basketball coach. Like, 
man, like I picked something up from him, what he said at lunch, because this is what they're doing at practice. And now how can I change the verbiage and put it towards a baseball mentality? The, the continuing education and the constant learning is so important as a coach. I mean, I can tell you guys right now, I'll be honest with you, as soon as we finish recording this episode, I'm actually going to jump into a Zoom meeting with Sheets and Alan Jager. They're doing a mental performance thing tonight. I want to jump on there to learn more about meditation. I already do meditation with my teams, but once again, if I can jump on this call and I could learn a little bit more about how to do it better with my players, well, then it's a big win. I don't care if I learn this much. I learned something. Yeah, and I I will tell you, like, during the COVID year, I was on the job at center for six months, and they told me to pack up my office and go home. I'm like, well, it was a great start. So in our house, I basically turned an upstairs bedroom into an office. So that's basically where I worked out. I worked out of my house mostly all summer long and was on Zoom call after Zoom call after Zoom call with, with the infield hot stove, the outfield hot stove, the hitting to listen to stick and ball with sheets and like all these different guys. And that's really like, that's, I learned more in that singular year than I have learned ever. And I mean, I got a notebook that's probably about 20 pages long from just information that I've picked up on from guys talking about different things. Yeah. That's something that I think a lot of coaches in the youth world need to understand that it's, there's endless opportunities to increase your knowledge base. And it's it's just like, you know, you tell a player, you're going to get out of it what you put into it, and it's the same thing for a coach. It's no different. You're going to be a better coach the more knowledge you have. It's that simple. Right. I mean, these coaches and players have so many resources that they can dive into if they want to dive deep into it. It's just a matter of fact if you want to do it or if you don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask a, a little bit about your your recruiting process in terms of how much is how much are you able to go out and look versus people contacting you? I don't know if that's something that you want to you want to get into. Yeah, sure. I can jump into that recruiting phase of it. I mean, the the, the process for us and it's different at every school. These players are so, they want results right away. If it's an exit velocity or, hey, how hard was that fastball? Or, hey, what was my 60? Just like they do when they take a test. They take a test, they want to know. They don't want to have to wait a week to find out, oh, man, I got a B on that test, but I could have got an A. So for us, we're the same way. Like, hey, man, like if you have interest in us, reach out to us. And I told players all the time and families like be personal with us like don't send us a mass email that's blind copy by every coach that you got copied like be personal like, hey listen i'm really interested in whatever school what are your needs for the 2023 class you know just a short little bio of who they are is awesome for us and then obviously some video attached is always good for us but about 90 percent of the time like we're check we're reading stuff off of these guys because we're on the road like we're looking at our phones. The video part of it for us gives us a good example of like, okay, this guy's got some tools. Like, okay, it's intriguing. You know, or they send us some perfect game numbers or PBR numbers or, you know, whatever events that they attend. 
And sometimes those numbers don't always match up. Okay, you got a 95-mile-an-hour exit below. Well, was it off a tee? Was it off a front toss? And then you go watch him in a game, and he's 0 for 4, and he can't even touch a kid that's throwing 80 miles an hour. So really, like, the video just gives us some type of, like, does he have intangibles? Does he not have intangibles? For us, there's no restriction from our recruiting process for us. Like, there's no dead period, so we don't have to worry about that at all. The only thing that we can't have is we can't have players work out for us at our school unless it's a prospect camp. But we can go to high schools. We can go out and watch kids work out at the high school. We can step in and go to the cafeteria and have lunch with them. And then, obviously, during the summer, we're, we're out all summer long. And we, go to, we show up at the national tournaments at WWBA in Georgia. We'll go to the BSC tournament that's held in Florida. So, I mean, we're at the major events watching guys play. And for us, really, it's the a major part for us is turned into the character part, too, is what type of person is he? Is it a guy that we can trust to bring into our program that's going to represent us the right way? People always say, like, college baseball is so much different from high school baseball. It, it's, it's really not. It's when you get to the college level, you just got to put it in a little bit of an extra gear if you want to be able to earn that job because you're coming into a college or a university where you got guys from all over. Like we do, we got guys from Texas. We've had guys from Maine, Florida, Jersey. I mean, guys from all over. And that's what they're at the end of the day. That's what they're competing with. But for us, like seeing a guy in a game atmosphere is really important to us. I like to see the guy go one for two with a strikeout. And I want to see how he acts going back to the dugout. Does he toss the helmet? Does he have a curse word in there? Is he a bad teammate when he goes in there? Or is he a guy that, you know what, I just got flat out got beat. I'm going to take my batting gloves off, put him in my helmet, and lay it up there. Boom, green light. We live and die by the stopwatch. So, you know, that home to first time is, is somewhat important to us. You know, is he a 7-5 going down the line when he hits the ground ball at the shortstop? Or is he a four or five going down the line? And that really that just tells us like, okay, this guy's driven to be a good player, or like, man, he's showing everybody in these stands like I really don't care that I just grounded out. So yeah, I know it's kind of a loaded answer, but also too, like, I'll show up to games too with sometimes not our gear on. Like I'll show up in the stands and I'll wear a blank Adidas polo with some golf shorts and have not my backpack or nothing with me, and I want to sit in that stand, and I want to see what Joe Schmo's mom and Joe Schmo's dad is like. What are they talking about? You know, when we're at games, we have a job and we have a responsibility. Like, our job is to find the best player that we think that can fit into our program. Like, we don't travel to these tournaments so we can talk to parents. And I think that's where sometimes the red flag comes up, like, man, I know you're enjoying your Sunday here, watching your son play, but I, I'm still working here. But at the same time, too, like if we're really heavy on a guy, like I'll always go talk to mom and dad, hey, how's he doing this summer? Um, you know, we've seen him play three or four times. He's been to campus. Like that's important because as much as it is, like we're going to have that player for four years, we got the whole package. We got mom, dad, brother, sister. It is an all-package deal because at the end of the day, they're going to be traveling with us on the weekend and going to watch them play. And we need to make sure that relationship with player is good or relationship with mom and dad or grandma or grandpa or whoever's supporting them 
is equally as supported. And sometimes parents get so scared to talk to us. And, you know, luckily I've been able to do some bunch of podcasts and been able to talk with Baseball Factory in USA. And I tell parents all the time, like, my profession is the only thing that's different between you. And all these parents and players, they put us up on Mount Rushmore like we're something really big. I'm like, I'm not. I'm just like your dad. Your dad might be a fireman. I coach college baseball. That's what he decided to do. That's what I decided to do. But I'm a normal human just like he is or like she is. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things you said is I use this with my with my players all the time to let them know that all of those intangibles that you mentioned your body language, number one, to me, is something that people are looking at. And what, what I use as an example is I say, you know, if I was sitting in that stands in just regular, you know, attire, would you know that I was scouting you for to try and get you through to a national team? Would you know that? And they all look at me and they say, no, coach, we probably wouldn't. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm talking about. Because, yeah, there are times when I'm sitting there and I see a kid that does exactly what you said, you know, maybe throws his bat or, you know, reacts poorly or doesn't hustle down to first base, I'm turning around and I'm walking away. I'm like, I'm not going to embarrass myself by suggesting that you go play, try to make it for a national team. That That's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I've crossed a lot of players off off our list just because of what it's, what what's the hustle? You can't teach hustle. Like, either you got to want it or you don't want it. Like, we can teach you how to bond, and we can teach you make some adjustments to your hitting, but we can't teach hustle. And, you know, the baseball IQ is something, too. Like, how smart is this guy on the field? Like, is he dumb, or is he making really good plays? Is he communicating? Is he not communicating? And, you know, a lot of players think, like, man, that's not a big deal. Well, when you're playing, I don't remember this, like 2019 when I was at UIC, we went to Texas A&M to opening up, and they got 12,000 people there. And it's like, holy smokes, if our guys don't communicate here with 12,000 people, how are we going to do it when we go to Northern Kentucky and they got maybe 50 people sitting there? So, like, I tell people all the time, like, vocalize, communicate, and, like, I will write that down in my notes. Like, great communicator, plays the game well, talks, has a good relationship with his coach. And at the end of the day, like, if the player and the coach can have a good relationship, that's awesome. It's a plus for us. It's a major plus for us. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Well, this was great. We really appreciate your time today, Taylor. I know everybody's time is valuable. And any time that one of our guests can spend with us and our listeners, we do appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Why don't you go ahead and get anybody that either has some questions for you on recruiting or that might be interested in coming out and playing for you. Why don't you give us your uh, information on how they can get in touch with you? How can they follow you? Awesome. Yeah. Dave, Jimmy, thanks so much. I mean, that was so fun. Um, I had an opportunity to do a lot of these podcasts, but I'll say this was a special one. Yeah, guys, you guys read out, reach out to me. Uh, my cell phone number is 513-218-9606. My email address is taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R dot valentine at center, C-E-N-T-R-E dot E-D-U. Or you can follow us on our social media page at Center Baseball. That's great. I got to tell you something, Taylor, that I was looking forward to doing this interview at the ABCA convention. So now that I I met you and we've had this conversation, now I'm really disappointed that I didn't meet you in person. But there's always next year, right? 
said, yeah, and uh, I saw you did Jake. Uh, so Jake and I go back to my redshirt freshman year in college. We, we ended up playing the South Florida Collegiate League together. I mean, he was my roommate. So we were roommates during that summer. He was a guy that was invited to my wedding. You know, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be reciprocal here pretty soon with, with him and his fiance. But he's like, he's one of my closest buddies. And he's like, man, he's like, he's like, that was such a great podcast. He's like, if you could reach out to those guys and try to get with them, he's like, you'll enjoy it so much. I was like, shoot, all right. Oh, so that's that's what prompted you to reach out was Jake. Yeah, Jake Jake led me on. He's like, man, have you ever heard about these guys? I'm like, no, I haven't. He's like, man, he's like, you would enjoy it so much just talking baseball. And uh, yeah, so Jake is the one that kind of kind of encourage me to say hey man get with these guys and talk some baseball with them that's cool so that's a that's a little a nice little group that you guys got there between you and jake and anthony plaz is in with those guys and plaz yep yeah it's a really good group and obviously having ryan brownlee there that's you know president of the abca is is awesome too and what he's doing for coaches is awesome with these barnstool getting into college campuses and inviting high school coaches out and summer ball coaches out, and it's been really cool. And I know that USA Baseball is is slowly starting to start to put some of these clinics together. And you know, I talked to Andrew Bartman, who's over, who's in charge of that, I and mean, like, dude, you got to start running these all across the country. Like, it's so valuable for these coaches to learn. And I mean, yeah. even if you had one, in, even if you had one in Kentucky, and you didn't ask me to speak, I would still probably show up. You know, to to be honest with you, Taylor, we do we do the um, what they call the USA Baseball Community Clinics here locally, and that's awesome. The problem is we don't get a lot of people to come, and it's so disheartening to sit there and have all of the stuff that you want to present, and there's seven guys in the room. You know, right? I think yeah, I think that goes back to what Taylor was talking about before that like there's this organization that people don't even know exists. You're talking about putting together, you know, a regional team or a national team, and people don't even know that that's that's a thing. I mean, I really didn't know much of anything about it until you started telling me about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy on how many people don't uh, know about it. Like, I connected with the kid today that's in Louisville. He's committed to go to the University of Tennessee. He's like, coaches, he's like, I just don't think I need to go to this. And I'm like, buddy, do you want to be a part of a national league team and go across the country and go win a gold medal? Like, how does that sound to you? He's like. Oh really? That's what that's about. I'm like, yes. <laughs> what do you, you think? Is this just mom and dad throwing a tournament in their backyard at one of the nicest complex in America, and you're gonna go play some baseball? No, dude. Like, <laughs> real deal. You're gonna get that's... treated. You're gonna get treated like a king when you go down there. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say when you, when you said he was telling you he didn't think that he needed to do that. I'm like, is he? Who doesn't? Who that plays baseball doesn't want? Wouldn't want to do an yep. opportunity like that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's crazy, but all right. All right, Taylor, so I can't thank you enough for reaching out to me and, and coming on. This has been a great show, and I really enjoyed the time together. Thank you. Yeah, Jimmy, thanks so much, man. It's been a pleasure, and I wish you guys the best of luck for the high school season. Hopefully you don't get too many snowstorms up there on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, yeah, good luck with your upcoming season. It's starting in two weeks, so uh, hopefully everything works out great. You guys have a great year. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I'll be watching. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So that was Taylor Valentine, head coach of Center College. What do you think, Jimmy? Wow. I thought that that was great. I got to be honest. You know, 
I know I know that we said it in the intro stuff, and I don't want to keep hammering this home, but but he's a young guy. I mean, I, I can't help it. You know, he's he is a young guy that has accomplished so many things in such a short period of time, and I mean, it's just really amazing to listen to him talk. You know, like he sounds like a a, a veteran coach. A veteran coach, but he still has that uh, enthusiasm and, you know, bright-eyed, kind of bright-eyed uh, uh, optimism of of a younger coach. Oh, you know, well, that, well, wait, a, wait a minute, you're trying to say, like, I'm cranky? <laughs> I'm saying some of that gets beat out of us through the years. It absolutely does, where we have to, maybe we have to force ourselves to have the right attitude at certain times. I don't think, you know, Taylor comes across as very natural to me that he doesn't have to do that yeah yeah i i heard it too so yeah just uh very very involved i mean he's already coached at three different colleges and then also what he's done with usa baseball which believe it or not that actually amazed me a little bit more because you know to be on that task force for usa baseball are you know coaches that really really know what they're looking at and again that's a feather in his cap to be asked to to do that sure yeah i mean hopefully he finds the time to be able to kind of juggle all these balls that he's got in the air no pun intended but and he can stay with it because i do think he has an awful lot to offer and and to the the elder players and the parents of our our you know kind of our upper high school players if you're looking for a coach to play for just think about the things that he stressed one of the first things he mentioned Grades, yeah, right. Grades, character, attitude. He's looking at potential, and then the last word that he used, hustle. Yeah, right. And that goes along with the things that we talk about all the time. Yes, of course, we want great athletes, and that's that's the potential aspect of it. But grades, character, attitude, and hustle—that doesn't always come to the forefront when you talk to certain people with certain kind of preconceived notions of of how this works. Yeah, we, we've talked about it many times as you climb that ladder from Little League to travel ball to high school ball to college ball and then, you know, possibly beyond that that competition evens out. So, in other words, when you get to, like, the college level, well, pretty much whatever college you're looking at, those players are all this, pretty much the same ability within that college. So now what sets you above the guy that you're trying to beat out for a certain position, well, nine out of ten times, and probably even more, 9.9 out of ten times, it's the intangibles. Yeah, and that's stuff that, right, it's things that uh, we're, we're not talking about your 60 time, which I still don't understand why we run 60s. Um, our 60 time, your, you know, how fast you can throw, your velocity as, as the ball's leaving the bat, we're talking about we're talking about the character of the of the the overall character as a person not just as a player that we're looking for and and that's what taylor's looking for so if uh again if you're looking for a guy who does it the right way treats his players the right right way not saying he's soft and easy on him by any means but you know he's he's going to try to get you to be the best that you can be the right way look up taylor valentine he's uh he's open to it again center college out in kentucky Look at Taylor, and that's T-A-Y-L-O-R dot Valentine, just like Valentine's Day, Taylor dot Valentine at center 
which is C-E-N-T-R-E, Centre, center.edu. All right, taylor.valentine at center.edu. Reach out to him, I'm sure. Tell him that you heard him on, on the show. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to talk to you. Uh, ask you to send him, maybe he'll ask you to uh, send him some videos of yourself and then just talk to you about what kind of person you are. And then he'll see if, he'll find out what kind of person you are to find out if he, you're the kind of player that he's looking for. So on that note of all these traits that he's looking at, again, two of the big things I talk about all the time, your effort and your attitude, the two main things we can control at all times. Effort and attitude. Give me 100% effort, positive mental attitude, PMA, great things will follow. Final thoughts, Coach? I was really, really humbled at the fact that he wanted to come on the show to get his message out, and I think his message is an important one. He, he hit on all of the things that we believe people should hear in order to keep climbing that ladder and become the best player that they possibly could be. And I, I also know that, you know, we've had this little run of younger coaches that we've been talking to, and all of these guys really understand people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.